Hey there, everybody. Welcome to this latest podcast of Markham's series, Invisible Strengths. And it's a special day today, um, beautiful Wednesday down in Napier. And I've got Glenn Sharkey with me, and we're going to be talking about working above the line. So that's about, you know, the invisible strength of the glue, the, the culture, the attitude of living and working above the line. So Glenn's a motivational speaker. He obviously works with uh, people, challenging them to lead better professional and uh, personal lives. And obviously, we all trying to get into that space as humans. So he's also authorised um, author of a number of books and especially in this field, there's some great ones, Little Red Racing Hood, uh, The Motivation Equation, and The um, the Art of Persuasive of Influence. I think they're brilliant titles for a start. So, Glenn, welcome aboard. Tell us about yourself, a bit of background, where you've come from, and how you work with people, what you offer. Go for gold. Thanks very much, Hayden. Um, and it's great to be part of this, uh, this podcast. Um, uh, a lot of my work is in the leadership space. Um, the first 10 years of my work life was uh, with training at-risk youth and vocational skills, then 10 years of uh, leadership roles in various not-for-profits. And then the last 15 years back in the corporate world, um, doing a lot of leadership training, particularly uh, for emerging leaders, so those who are, who are new to leadership. Um, I have produced I think seven books, authored seven books. Um, the latest was Navigating Courageous Conversations, which is such a need in the business world and it was a response to that need. Um, and and my, I've, I've got a new book that I'm working on at the moment, uh, People Leadership 101, What Emerging Leaders Wish They Had Been Told because so many people end up in, in the deep end of leadership roles without, with very little prep. But who, who am I really? I'm a guy that's been happily married for 31 years. I think that's my biggest achievement above any awards that I've won as an educator or, or a professional speaker. Um, I have three uh, fantastic adult children and we were blessed yesterday to have a granddaughter join our family. Um, Congratulations. Yeah, it was a great day for us. Um, and on top of that, uh, you know, we talk about a, a being being and living a, above the line. I'm, I'm really one for taking responsibility for my own health and fitness. So fortunate enough to have a fantastic home gym set up, uh, particularly with us being in level four and now level three in Auckland and, um, and still playing football at the ripe old age of 56. Fantastic. No, that's brilliant. And uh, just picking up on what you're saying, you know, these current conditions, it could cause us to fall below the line if we let it affect us, couldn't we? You know, we could, we could start blaming, start all these things, but to get up and be positive and take account, take ownership and, and be open and talk and communicate, I think it's good. So we're really impressed with your approach on that. And um, tell us a bit more about what you mean about what it is to be above the line. Well, I guess, um, look, if I, if I, I know we're, we're um, going to be on a podcast here, but if, 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 if the um, listeners could imagine this, I'm drawing a line across the center of the page, but in the middle of that line, I'm writing the word issue. And really the above and below the line model starts when we're presented with an issue that we could or should take responsibility for. Of course, the ones that we should take responsibility for, we, we should be stepping up to the mark, but it's also the issues that we could take responsibility for. 
Below the line behaviors, uh, defensiveness, as you said, blame, blaming others, making excuses, uh, deflecting responsibility, saying that's not my job. That would be a classic below the line response um, in the work world. Um, above the line is, is pretty simple. Firstly, I'm, I've become aware of that issue that I could or should take responsibility for. And then I take ownership for it. I accept ownership to the extent that I can. And then I take some kind of action, which, which, which uh, culminates in some kind of a result. When we go below the line, that actual issue that we started with gets worse. It gets more complex. And especially Hayden, trust in working relationships goes down. Whereas if we go above the line, then, uh, then it makes the issue at least, at least, um, doesn't make it worse and often makes it better and trust in relationships increases. I'm a, I'm a huge fan of, of living um, and leading above the line, both in my personal life and in my professional life. And I can't encourage people enough to, to when, when and where possible, live above the line. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, you mentioned still playing football and that, you know, into the teams and things, taking that accountability, ownership. I mean, obviously things are going to come in, but, and, and can disrupt, and there's issues in our lives, in our personal lives, in our, in our work lives. You know, you're having a great day and there's something inside comes on and slams you on the side of the face, but it's how you react, isn't it? And the same in, in a game with your team. Tell us a little bit about how it affects um, teamwork and that sort of thing. Look, uh, you, you know, um, the team that I'm most involved with now is, is, uh, is my football team uh, on, a, on a regular basis. And, you know, when, when the referee is uh, making decisions that I don't like, we, you know, we play in a league where we're often refereeing our own games and it's natural for the opposition uh, referee to have some degree of bias, whether it's conscious or unconscious. And it would be really easy for me to slip below the line, slip below the line and start to become um, accusatory. But instead I go, okay, what can I do to take responsibility for this ref making biased decisions? And so it alters my attitude. It alters the way that I speak to the ref. It alters the way that I speak to other players. And ultimately, it, 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 it stops me because if I get in the ref's bad books by having a go at him, then I'm going to get more decisions going against me, going against my team. But if I can go, okay, what are the what are the small things that I can do to influence the referee? And it all starts with me being having an above the line attitude, not getting defensive, not 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 getting aggressive, and accepting the fact that I can take some responsibility for this issue and have some degree of influence. <clears throat> and Amber, yes, you go. No, I was just going to say, and at times. Even taking responsibility when you know it's, you know, you might not feel it's still not, it's nothing to do with you, right? But you own that situation and that's when you're really above the line, is it? Yeah, because it makes things, it makes everything better. Let me give you an example. Years ago, I was working with a contract manager and he sent out, he got his project manager to send out an email. I was copied into the email, several of us were, and also the client, the external client was copied in. Now I replied, I hit reply all, and um, and let's say that Hayden, I was working with you. I made a bit of a comment. I made a bit of a joke in that email uh, that I knew that you would have found funny, and and we had a good working relationship. Now that contract manager left me a really serious, almost nasty um, 
answer phone message saying, hey, Sharky, you, you, you replied all to that email and you made a really inappropriate joke. It was an unprofessional remark and you copied in the client. That's really unprofessional and I'm really disappointed. Now, here's the thing, Hayden. He had not taken the time to check the address list and had not noticed that I had deleted the client's contact name from the email when I had hit the reply all. Not only that, but you, I, and the client had worked together in the past, and I knew that she would have been absolutely fine with the joke. But if I go get defensive and I go below the line, I know it's going to make that issue worse, and it's going to make trust in the relationship diminish. It's not an issue that I that I should have taken responsibility for, but it's an issue that I could have taken responsibility and ownership. So I didn't send him an email. I didn't. I didn't um, uh, respond with an answer phone message. Uh, sorry, um, I I couldn't see him face to face. So I called him up and I said, "Look, firstly, I'm prepared to apologise by email to the team. Secondly, I'm prepared to apologise face to face with the team, also with the client in the room when we meet for our meeting." But let me know. Let, 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 let me um, let me inform you that I have actually I actually had deleted the um, the client's email address when I hit reply all. So it's okay. It's safe. I haven't done any damage. But still, would you like me to apologise? And he said, No, no, I don't think that's necessary. But and this is really interesting. He said, I do think you need to maybe watch the tone of your emails um, and I had done a little bit of thinking beforehand and I thought why is he overreacting and maybe there's some maybe there's a message in here that I should be taking responsibility for um, and so I went entirely above the line um, said you know I'm prepared to apologize but look I haven't done any damage but even when he gave me that feedback, I said, yep, I get it. I appreciate that. Thanks for the feedback. And um, and still to this day, we have a really good relationship. We haven't worked together for years, but we're, we're still good friends because, because that was an opportunity to build trust or really destroy trust in our relationship. And I'm so pleased that I made the decision to go above the line when I could have justifiably gone below the line and being really defensive yeah and how can we do that and just go into that defense mode and there we go yeah i mean it's, it's a great example great story because i think probably most of us that are listening to this will would have done that to a center email um back and we're supposed to just reply and reply off. but it's it's not the mistake it's not the issue it's, it's the problem it's how you mean that or how you own that isn't it and um sometimes sometimes it may be just hang on, let me think about this. And sometimes we rush in far too fast and that's when we, we don't, we get on the wrong side of the line, do you think? Um, as individuals, as, as, as work teams, um, as, as individuals in our lives, what's some tips to um, spot maybe that below the line behavior and give it a nudge up with? What I, what I love about the above the line uh, concept is that the language is so neutral. Um, and so the first thing that I would say to teams is get a corporate understanding of above and below the line behavior and how corporately as an entire organization, 
we, uh, we find below the line behavior unacceptable. So have everyone understand the concept to start with and then have everyone buy in. When that's happened, let me give, let me give you an example. Um, Hayden, I see you acting in our team a little bit below the line. If we're not aware of this at all, and I go and I speak to you and I say, hey, hey, mate, you're getting really defensive. And I, I noticed that you're blaming the client when I know they haven't been perfect, but really, um, I just think you need to pull your head in a little bit. If I go and approach you without us having any corporate understanding or agreement on above and below the line, then I can simply be another one attacking you for what you think is justifiable behavior. Whereas if we've sat down away from the heat of the battle and we've discussed and agreed with this as an entire team, then when I see you behaving like that, I say to you, oh, Hayden, I wonder if you're being a little bit below the line. And then it's not primarily me coaching you or telling you how to do life. It's me reminding you what you already signed up to a month ago when we talked about this above and below the line model away from the heat of the battle and everyone went, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. I totally agree with that. So when I remind you using that neutral language of above and below the line, I'm actually reminding you to self-coach yourself based on a model that you agreed with prior to us having this conversation. Which really, in effect, lifts that person to think about their own actions, doesn't it? Like, um, you saying that to me, I, I'd say, okay, yeah, what is that? And then start taking ownership. Like, it's good. It's, I love that approach. But like you say, you've got to have that clear expectation, that um, that guideline set at the start that you set together, right? And then you both you both know where you fall into it. No, I think it's good. Is it would would people consistently live one side or the other, or would you? You, know, you must have dips and troughs and highs. What, what? Tell me about that. I know that there's a bunch of people who would uh, who would look at me and say, "Hey, you're from West Auckland, so yeah, originally, so so you guys are below the line, aren't you?" Look, I think there are some people who who habitually live below the line. Hmm. I think, um, Hayden, that our family of origin is often a good place to start. So when asking myself, am I someone who has some, uh, who, um, has some habit habitual below-the-line practices? Well, I can look back to my family and go, no, my family was really good at taking responsibility. We had, we had a pretty good mindset. We tended to focus on the positive more than the negative. If you grew up in a great family, then you are probably going to struggle with this issue of above and below the line less than someone who grow up, grew up with a mum or dad who were particularly below the line. I mean, you, you're gonna be starting on a hiding to nothing if, if you grew up in a family that was really below the line. So that's a good question to ask yourself first. Um, am I someone who is um, above or below the line? Hmm. Uh, sorry, am I from a family of origin that is above or below the line? It's a real, real, clue yeah. you need to do some work secondly i think it, it, it's the idea that you commit to this concept of being above the line makes everything better um, i love that saying by by uh, zig ziglar um, a positive attitude a, a positive attitude will always bring about a better outcome than a negative attitude will so there's that commitment to uh thinking and speaking and living above the line 
Now, when we're dealing with, with, with people, we have to give people the benefit of the doubt because in my example, that looks like a really, or that looks really marginal, you know? Oh, you just, how do we decide whether people are above and below the, above or below the line? So I'm leading a team member and having to have a difficult or courageous conversation. Then we give people the benefit of the doubt. Um, people have to be clearly below the line before we treat them as such. If we're in doubt, then we give them the benefit of the doubt and we assume that they are above the line and that they are wanting to be above the line. But again, if you're approaching someone who is particularly habitually below the line, then I think um, education is really important. Get them, if they haven't, um, get them to look at books like um, how to Win Friends and Influence People. Uh, the, the book that popularized the above and below the line model is called The Oz Principle. Um, my own book, The Art of Persuasive Influence, talks about the above and below the line. You've got video, free video resources on YouTube now. Uh, and I think it's really useful for people who have um, a habit of, of thinking and acting below the line that is decades long that they expose themselves to examples of people who have been below the line and who are, have now turned their thinking above the line. And I would point uh, people in the direction of the TED Talk by Daryl Davis called Why I Attend KKK Rallies as a Black Man. I think it's, it's the best and most stunning example of someone uh, turning their mindset around from being below the line to above the line. Yeah, I've listened to that one. It's brilliant. Yeah, fantastic example there. No, it's a really, really good. And it's really, it's a choice, isn't it? As we get up in the morning, it's a choice. What, where am I going to live today? Am I going to be above? Am I going to be below? Because let's um, face it, you're sometimes you're, you might be running late or whatever, but don't let that affect your whole day, right? It might just be one little issue that we've drawn in the middle of the board. Choose which side to angle it from. I think it's brilliant. It's, it's really, really good. It's good information and, and thanks heaps for coming on. So a lot, of, a lot of our listeners will be wondering how to reach out to you as well, Glenn. Um, tell us what's the best way to approach you for more information or for motivational speech or whatever we want to get you going with. Sure. Um, well, well, you can just Google search now and, 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 and uh, people come up pretty quickly, especially when your name is, uh, is as unusual as Glenn Sharkey is in the professional speaking field. Um, my websites, my, my speaking website is uh, glennsharkey.com. That's uh, Glenn with one N and Sharkey, K-E-Y. And my training, my workshops, my coaching website is the LifeWorks Company. Dot com. So it's glensharky.com and also the lifeworkscompany.com. But again, if you look at me on LinkedIn, um, you'll be able to find me there via my profile. Absolutely. Or, or otherwise, if, if you want to just come back through, Mark, and we'll put you in touch quickly as well. Um, but yeah, now fantastic. It's been really it's good. I love this topic. Any closing comments before we close out? Yeah, if you, if you are someone who, um, who lives below the line and you're, 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 you're sick of it, uh, then simply Google um, living above the line. And there's some tremendous resources online that will help you out with that. 
if you are dealing with someone who is habitually below the line and they um, they have some real blind spots, then think in what ways you can help educate them. Because, you know, Hayden, you talked about we all have a choice. Well, some people have lived so, so far and for so long below the line, they don't have the same perspective and clarity of perspective as you and I do. And so education is a great way to help uh, give people the choice of living above or below the line. Yeah, fantastic. Oh, brilliant. Even even some visual cues or something, you know, around your office or in your in your room or in your living room at home or something. Just a little thing to remind you, where am I heading today? Yeah, I think it's that's good. No, I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed listening. And I'm sure that sure the um all the audience would have too, and there'll be practical tips in there for everybody. So Thanks very much. Thanks for joining and uh, join us on the next episode. Thanks, Aiden.